Welcome to The Maker and the Merchant with me, me Isaacs, and him, Fergus Elias. The Maker and the Merchant. What is it, Lee? Basically two blokes talking about wine, maybe with some guests in the future, because it would be nice to have a more diverse array of voices than just the two of ours. So if there's anybody out there who wants to ruin their street cred and join us, they'd be more than welcome. But one of the things we'll be talking about on this pod is obviously English wine. But within that, Fergus has great experience as a winemaker, and I have no experience as a winemaker. And there's a huge array of topics that I think would be interesting to discuss the way we're discussing it now. So not necessarily hugely technical, but covering off some important winemaking features and, and perhaps relating those specifically to English wine. In, so wine, English wine, winemaking. What else might we talk about on this pod? Well, I think it's also it's important that it's symbiotic. So I may know English wine and I may know something about how to make wine and not a great deal. I think you get some grapes and then you add some yeast and then, I don't know, some bits happen and then all of a sudden it's in a bottle. But where I fall down is my knowledge beyond this scepter dial. I don't know enough about the world of wine and that Lee I think is where you come in as an educator extraordinaire from what I understand a very high pass rate well it it wouldn't be for me to say but I do have to hand a list of quotes from previous students (laughs) that I would like to take the next four hours reading no I wouldn't do that four hours Um, (laughs) yeah I'm, I'm a wine educator ultimately that's what I've done for a long time I've worked in wine for a long time but I'm a wine educator and I enjoy kind of being signposts so taking the very very small amount I know about wine and kind of passing that on to somebody else and then they can take it and actually do something useful with it. But I thought that that's a really nice juxtaposition, isn't it? With your knowledge and experience of English wine and perhaps my knowledge and experience of, of a wider world of wine to do some comparative stuff. So there'll be lots of questions from me to you, Ferg, during this uh, while I say, why aren't we growing Malbec here? And why haven't you grubbed all of the fruit of Balfour Sheath and just replaced it with Riesling? Because it's the greatest grape variety ever. Fact. And because I've said fact, that obviously... So um, I, I, yeah, I, that sounds I, good. I, I think I've got a name for this feature. You're going to love this. You ready? Oh, go on. Hit me. Educating Fergus. Educating Fergus. Yeah. You know, so like, anyway, we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that. We'd, we'd love questions. Ferg's a busy man and I pretend that I'm busy unless my boss happens to listen to this, in which case I'm busy all the time. You know, I don't know if we're going to have like a, a website, where, but we're both on tw- Twitter. Just go, we're on all the socials. We're on all the socials. Drop us mm-hmm. questions. I'm sure we will be using our socials to promote this show so that at least one more person extensively. But anyway, I'm expecting my follower count to actually drop when we start pushing this your, out. your follower count will drop when people see you're associated with me. That will, I mean, that will instantly lose you 10% of your followers at the, as a minimum, even bots. Do you think by at some stage in this podcast might be able to compliment <laughs> Lee without you then turning it into an opportunity for some self-deprecating humour? We, we would absolutely appreciate zero compliments directed at Lee, even from Ferg, the multiple voices in his head, or indeed <laughs> any listeners. We don't have time for that. If, if anybody sends anything in that is remotely praiseworthy in Lee's direction they will be banned from listening and all of their devices will be confiscated unless we monetize the po- the podcast in which case as many listeners as possible but you know that's... In, in which case carry on I, yeah. I welcome literally I'm definitely. a slave for the money so I think we've kind of broadly covered what this is about hopefully mm-hmm. in our ramblings but as it's the first episode it, it's <laughs> it's entirely possible that someone stumbled across this expecting something totally different and we better explain who we are and I thought what better way to do that than by having a couple of mini interviews before you start I've got the name for this are you ready knowing Lee 
knowing Ferg. Aha! So as I was saying, I think we'll start off. I will ask the questions of Fergus and then he will ask questions of me. But anyway, yeah. let's dive in. The first few questions here, Ferg, are going to come thick and fast. Nice. Um, so you've got to be on the ball, but then there'll be stuff to explore who you are, what you do. Let's go for it. Name. Ferg. Rank. Head. Winemaker. Serial number. Eight to eight. Occupation. Head. Winemaker. <laughs> Which I've realised leads to the same answer as Rank. <laughs> Fergus Elias. Head winemaker for, for Balfour Hush Heath. Would you say that Owen Elias has been one of your main influences? Yes, well, I first met Owen when I was when I was born, actually. And since then he he has had a formative formative impact upon both my career and my upbringing. So yes, I'd say that he's had a fairly heavy impact on my life. I also don't trust oak as a result. I think malolactic is a dirty word. I was going to say, when did you first meet him and you preempted my very obvious joke? You know, obviously he's been, he will have had an impact because you're part of, uh, there's maybe two or three dynasties in English wine. Bob and Sam Lindo. Yep. There's the two Uh, of you. Yep, there's the Barneses over at Bindon. Barneses, and of course. They're, they're fifth generation. You know, taking that into account, what is it that makes your father so great? Oh, it's just the fact that he's made a lot of wine, a lot, a lot of wine, gargantuan amounts. So, you know, you just throw enough stuff at a wall and sooner or later something sticks, right? <laughs> That's very much, very much my approach to my stand-up. Or oh, anyone who makes Rondo. He's got a proper sort of synesthesia thing. You watch him taste and you watch him make notes. And, you know, when you, when you taste a wine, you usually might make some notes i sort of write something about the palate and about the nose he draws a shape he just draws a little doodle and that's that's what it tastes like and you look at it and you go oh you yeah, know that is actually what it tastes like he's got a proper sort of synesthesia shit going on and i'm quite envious because when i try and do that i just draw a circle and then it turns into uh, occasionally i draw you you remember those s's where you get three lines and then you draw uh, yeah and then you make an s and it looks really cool yeah i do that a lot does he write his tasting notes on papyrus by any chance? <laughs> yes. Maybe the Egyptians were trying to make wine. Maybe, Maybe they were the first tasting notes. Yeah. You, 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 you pick up your father's notebook and it's like <laughs> eagle, <laughs> eagle, lion, woman sitting down, man standing. Whisted rush. <laughs> and he's insisted that when, we, when he goes, he wants to be buried in a large pyramid uh, that I've been building since I was five years old in the garden. Was it obvious that you were going to follow your father into the wine industry? Oh, absolutely not. I grew up, I loved it. I, for those, because not everyone knows who my father is. I um, refuse to believe that. My father is a winemaker. Uh, he's a consultant winemaker now, working at multiple sites across the UK, but always looking for more. If anyone out there is planting a vineyard or putting in a winery, he can advise on both of these fronts. But before that, he was the director of wine at Chapel Down, um, and he made the wines at Chapel Down for. 25 years like that quite a considerable chunk of my life and in fact we we lived on site and so I spent a good proportion of my holidays summer winter Easter either working in the vineyard in the winery or towards the latter end in the shop and as a result by the time I got to 18 I decided I didn't want to be a winemaker I didn't want to do it because it's hard work and you get dirty quite a lot and I don't want to do it. I'm not interested. So in my act of teenage rebellion, of which there were a few, actually, let's not talk about my lower sixth year. But in my act of teenage rebellion, I decided to do ancient history at university with a view to joining the RAF because they're desperate for historians in the RAF. If 
you're going to fly a Harrier jump jet, surely you need to know about the Magna Carta. Well, I mean, that's actually, a, that's a little bit too new for me. I try the Romans, try the Greeks, like them. Even better, the Persians, you know, they're, they're a bit older. Plan was try and get into the RAF, fly helicopters. And if that, if and when that eventually didn't work out, I'd do a law conversion because that's all you can do with an ancient history degree is convert it into something vaguely useful. I, I, um, I don't know. I mean, McDonald's are always hiring. This is true and they're paying extremely well at the moment. So I did. I do, did you want, do you want Rondo with that? Go large, have it in Magnum. So but while I was at university and actually in my gap year, I started to really love wine. I worked in the vineyards for a, for a full year, so harvest to harvest. I mean, I was 18 years old. I got to drive around in a tractor. I was getting paid money for the first time in, in you know, a, like a wage. I had a load of mates. We played cricket every weekend. We went to the pub most nights. I smoked God knows how many smoking royals, which at the time I insisted taste like Earl, Earl Grey tea, but actually, if I'm frank, they tasted like arse, but they were cheap. <laughs> and I had this amazing year, and then I went to university and... I continued my my education. I worked in a wine bar in Liverpool, which is now sadly gone, actually. It was a good wine bar. I also worked in the vineyards and the winery at Hashi part-time. For some reason, I clearly did okay, because about halfway through my degree, the, the owner of Balfour Winery, Miss Babylon, offered me a full-time position when I finished and said, you know, come, come and work for me. And I said, yeah, go on. <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do when I finished university, and I had no idea how I was going to earn any money. So I figured, give it a year and 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 then see where I stand. And I honestly haven't looked back. I did a MSc in viticulture and oenology because apparently there's some science involved in making wine, and I sort of grew with the company. I'm, I'm really lucky because I came in when when Balfour were making, you know. 60,000 bottles a year and there were three of us in the winery full time so I got to do everything it wasn't just all the crap jobs because obviously I was doing those too but I there, there were the more interesting bits that needed to be done and there weren't enough people to do it all so I got to learn to filter quite quickly and I got to learn to how to how to handle wine and how to use a pump and stuff like that the, the fun stuff so would you and would you it. say obviously you did the the MSc and, and you made the joke, there's a lot, a lot of science in mind that there is. But it sounds also like there's so much learning on the job. It sounds to me a bit like learning to drive a car. You learn to drive a car, you pass your test, and then the instructor gets out there and you're in the car on your own for the first time, and then you really start learning how to drive. It, it kind of sounds like maybe, maybe this is a fairly similar process. I think I think you're right. I think, think there are two schools of thought when it comes to winemaking. You can, be, you can be an academic winemaker and you can make fantastic wines and you can work in a really scientific way and it's it's very protocol driven and it's very science-based and that's that's a, that's a perfectly legitimate way of way of make, making wine sadly my brain isn't wired to work like that i i, I did ancient history I, I i don't i don't have a strong enough grasp of the science to be able to to make wine in that way so so you you, you have the artist... how would how would persephone make this rondo <laughs> <laughs> well, she'd grub the bloody thing up and burn it in the flames of hell is what Persephone would do. Absolutely. And, the, know, the, the goddess of flowers and the goddess of hell. So it just shows that you shouldn't put yourself in a box. You can perform multiple roles. Anyway, sorry. I'm no, you're, right. you're absolutely right. No, I mean, the classical references are everywhere. You know, Tantalus, it wasn't, it wasn't a sword. It was a bloody bottle of saber. But, you know, and it was, it, I, I, that, that's, how I, that's how I work. I'm, 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 I'm somewhere between my father who doesn't, there's, there's no science involved in father's winemaking. It's, it's, um, it's, it's pure 
art and weird little doodles and and then I like a little bit of science but not too much you know little and often I think becoming too scientific as a a non-wine maker and that's why we're talking to each other wine maker non-wine maker I think having that understanding of science is really important but if if you're making wine purely from that perspective you're missing a lot of what makes wine really cool for me is kind of the emotion and how it makes me feel when you know when I drink a really good bottle of wine it's not just oh this really tastes of blackberries and cedar mm. sorry this is all sounding a bit out there now but it's that kind of a broader connection some kind of energy or feeling or emotion that when you taste that wine and it transport it's transporting you somewhere yeah, and i yeah, think if, you, if you're just doing it scientifically i don't think necessarily that would come through yeah i think you probably got a point i think it's that i know you've got soul thing there's there's something yeah. about there's something about wine and i've got soul but i'm not a pino so i'm not a, that's why i'm a terrible songwriter as well you know, there's a website called Pinophile. I, I think that's because of me, um, even though it demonstrably obviously isn't. Because mm. I first used the phrase Pinophile in 2010 when I first started running the Oxford Wine Company's flagship store. And I did a big display. So one of our, one of our, well, the wines we sold was on the front page of Decanter, second Decanter reference, look, was on the front page of Decanter. And I thought I can use that you know, highlight the Pinot Noir. It was one of Larry McKenna's Pinots mm. from Escarpment. And I thought I can put other Pinot Noirs around it and, and I can use the thing Pinophile. And I, that lasted for about two weeks before we all went, we should probably take that down now. Let's do something funnier. And then they, I realised that I was working there and they had no chance of getting anything funnier because it's me. It's my first boss. Sorry, I'm, again, I'm railroading your conversation here. First, no, 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 no. This is the my, whole point my, is that we're tangential. My very first boss was Scottish, so when I worked at Obbid, and he used to run one Are of the... one of the boys? I might do. I don't know. I, I, I'm not very okay. good at the Scottish nice. accent. You know, it's, it's quite a difficult accent to get, right? You know, mm. and to get... To do an accent, you have to have a trigger word, a, mm. a word or a phrase that you say that gets you into the accent. So generally what I say for Scottish is, I've got a to-do list that's longer than the fucking Leonard Cohen song. And then maybe <laughs> I can just about start pretending mm. to maybe be Scottish. No, you see, um, I grew up listening to Just a Minute on the radio and, oh, and there's the that. classic line, you'll have had your tea, that does it. And then I'm, I'm, I'm there. I it's, can't it's, carry it on beyond there. but I'm so there. Anyway, I was... Uh, so Scott, he used to. He was the manager of one of the largest of bins in Edinburgh way back yeah. when. So this is a very long time ago. And if anybody's listening to this, they might catch this reference, might not. There used to be a very famous whiskey writer whose name was Michael Jackson. There was, Google it. There was a whiskey writer called Michael Jackson. He wrote an article for the, I don't know what it's like, the local Edinburgh paper, the Edinburgh Gazette. Or Edinburgh Gazette, I don't know. He wrote an article about whiskies with a specific age statement. And he came out with a range of glowing reviews for all of these whiskies with said mm. specific age statement. So as soon as this article was released, my this guy, he did a huge display in the window of all of these whiskies, and he wrote in very large writing on the window, Michael Jackson loves 10-year-olds. And I think it was up for about an hour before the council got involved and said, take that out. And he showed them the article, and he said, oh, this is absolutely true. He does, and for obvious reasons, it was... it was. But I, you see, me being sort of like that middle-class bleeding-heart liberal... I have tremendous anxiety about telling that story now. Yeah, absolutely. So even telling that story now, I sort of go, oh, I have tremendous anxieties about it. But hopefully anybody that is listening to it will see the funny side of that story and know why I'm telling it, and it will save a furious exchange of emails. I was going to ask you, what's the best thing about being a winemaker? Really easy. It's the best thing about being a winemaker is the fact that you've made something. There's, there's a tangible thing 
at the end of the at the end of the year so you know you start at harvest which is in october so it's it's my year starts at a different time to most people's but that's fine it starts at harvest you get given some grapes from a vineyard probably by a slightly grumpy person from the vineyard because you've made them pick clonally and six eight twelve however many months later you're holding something what you have made and I genuinely that feeling I can't it cannot be topped for me it's I love it and yeah it's it's just amazing I, I love that I'm I make something there's a thing that I have made there's That's something it. very powerful in the act of now I don't consider myself a creative I don't want to be to to hear it that way but there's something tremendously powerful about the act of creation so whether it's you know, I, I obviously try and write comedy, not very well. I, I try and write a bit of poetry. I just write, I just write stuff. You're making my, or, or whether it's creativity through music, which obviously I, I attempt to play the guitar. Mostly I just cover other stuff now. I've, I've tried to write, I was in a band and wrote original songs in the past. Would you say, you, like, would you class yourself as creative? Do you have other creative outlets? I dabble, but no, not really. I feel like I'm, yeah. I used to, I used to write the occasional bits of poetry, but it was really shit. So I stopped doing that. Um, I think everybody thinks that about their own poetry. No, 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 no. It was really shit. <laughs> so I stopped doing I don't like to do the negative stuff, because often I think negative stuff is too easy. It's like negative comedy, complaining about stuff. It, yeah. Comedy isn't easy. I'm not suggesting it's easy. But it's easier to do something about uh, 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 something that annoys everybody than mm. something that would make everybody happy, because, no, the, because of the way our emotions are, emotions are tuned in. But... You know, just to address the balance, you know, it's the best thing about being a winemaker. What's the worst thing about being a winemaker? Or the hardest thing? Let's rephrase it so it's not negative. What's the hardest thing? The hardest thing? What is the hardest thing? This is, this is, this is, this just sounds like I'm sucking up to my boss here. It's probably that I work a little bit too hard. You know, that's my biggest weakness. I work too hard. A lot, to, a, lot to, a lot, a lot, a lot too hard. Uh, it's <laughs> like there's something so hard about the way you work that you're always forced <laughs> to ask, ask the question, how much harder could this man work? And, and the answer is none. No, none, none, I, none more hard. I literally, I, I, I loathe the phrase. I give one hundred and ten percent because you can't. You can only no, you give one hundred percent. It's let's be factual. So I work one hundred percent. But no, I think I think it is. It's 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 bloody hard work, and you have you have to accept that you're going to work really hard, and you're going to do lots of long hours, and you're probably not going to earn any money doing it. But it's it's yeah, that's 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 the that's the hard part. But you're saying that with a big smile on your face. What's the favourite wine that you personally have made? What's your favourite wine? You know, it's probably this Septonile. So this was this was my first ever wine. The first wine that has my name on it. And it's a white blend of Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, Pinot Blanc, Arban, Petit Meslier, and Pinot Gris. So it's the seven champagne varieties. And it's a bizarre wine. I, I, I love it. And it's almost all gone with... Which is really sad, but I've, I've got some. Have you? I've yeah. got I've got a bit. But it's this wine. It's it's I I threw the kitchen sink at it because it was it's from 2018, and I was given this opportunity. You can make a wine, and for a winemaker, that's probably that's 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 seminal. Man, here's, here's a guitar. You can play a song on it. What? Mm, it's it's literally that. But you know that's what my career up until then had been leading up to was making this wine so it's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking nail this it had three individual ferments in three different tanks they were some of them were inoculated sequentially i i put one yeast in and then 
let that ferment a bit, then added another yeast, let that ferment a bit. Some of them were co-inoculants, so I put two yeasts in at the same time. The amount of time I put into that, into that wine in 2018, you know, which was quite a big year, was disproportionate to everything else I did. But then I then I blended it and I started doing in tank batonage because I've got this I've, I've got this fixation and it's concerning. But it, you know at the same time at the moment I'm keeping it at healthy levels with batonage in tanks, not in barrel. I, I I like it in barrel; it's very nice. But I just in tank where you you get this mouthfeel and this texture from 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 sticking a spinning machine inside the tank and it's incredible. So I did I did a lot of that and then I called it this sepsidial and deliberately misspelt septid so it's s-e-p-t which no one picked up on until the day the labels were due to arrive and the owner said fergus you've misspelled septid and i got to i got to smugly inform him that the sept is symbolic of the seven varieties and i wrote a poem about it and it was shit it was it wasn't it categorically wasn't we're going to have fergus on the future episode we're going to have him reading that out in poetry i mean i ripped off keats and and shakespeare there's 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 a quote somewhere about there's, there's actually no such thing as an original thought because all thoughts have already been thought. So, so ultimately, every story you ever watch is based on Shakespeare in some format, right? And, and if you're going to rip off a poet, Keats, he ain't bad. Or, or Blake. Oh, I quite like Blake. He was, Cock- he was a Cockney. Cockney geezer, he's wasn't a Cockney, he? He's a Cockney. He's a Cockney. He's a Cockney. Yeah. The, the, ruin, the ruins of time build mentions in eternity. <laughs> Although I don't know where that bloke was was from so you're, you're yeah your first wine is is going to be a, yeah a, a yeah. pretty monumental uh, moment and it is it's a a rather cool nice i think it's uh, a rather nice just, wine it was quite nice and uh described at release by i can't remember the journalist's name and i must because i need to send him another case but in the guardian it was described as the single greatest english still wine ever made oh, um, my word i right um that was in 2019 so i think some other people have made some quite nice whites since then but i don't care because at one stage one journalist thought this was the best english white he'd ever tasted that's incredible um, I, d- I didn't know that well what, you know what I, don't a wonderful like to, accolade. I don't like to blow my own trumpet too much mate you you've know, got it tattooed on your back though i think haven't you Is that uh, right? yes yes actually and and so like when um, you go on holiday in benidorm and take your shirt off that everybody sees that on you yeah, yeah. and back. you know beth and i are buying a house and uh, i've actually got it as the wallpaper Oh, it's just, just that quote over and over and over Is it, it going to be yeah. like that scene in The Shining mm. when Wendy discovers that, that it, this book he's been writing and it's all there, he's been at the typewriter, and yeah, she yeah. just picks it up and every scene is just reams and reams and reams of paper saying, all oh, work and no play, make Jack a dull boy. Is, yeah. is it going to be that? It's just going to be like, I'm writing my memoirs, darling, and it'll be reams <laughs> and reams and reams of paper. Of, this is the greatest exactly English wine ever made. Done. So, next question for you. What's your favourite film? <laughs> Godfather 2. That's a good shout, that, isn't it? So, here we go. Here's a bit of film trivia off the back oh, of God. that. Okay. okay. Robert De Niro won the Best Actor Oscar for his, his portrayal of a young Vito mm. Corleone, which replicated the win in 1972 of Marlon Brando winning the Best Actor Oscar for playing an older Vito Corleone. So, two actors mm-hmm. receiving the Best Actor Oscar in different years for playing the same character. This has only happened one other time. The two actors playing the same character years apart have both been nominated for and won the Best Actor Oscar. So here's your trivia. Which mm. character is it and who are the two actors that have won? I don't know. That's a, t- that's a toughie. It's a good bit of film trivia, this. That's a toughie. I can't, I'm, I'm, can, do I get a clue? 
Why so serious? Oh, of course. Uh, Heath Ledger and that, that Phoenix chap. Yeah. Joaquin. Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> for both playing the Joker. So there you go. Nice. That's nice. Um, that's Thanks for, that. for you. Oh, you're, uh, you're very welcome. Must be, must be a lot of fun at you know dinner parties. I'm I'm stuff. I'm great fun on a night out. Tell I you, bet. Out. the evenings for La Patrona at home they just fly by. That's why she goes to bed early. One would imagine. Oh, and she the fact she starts work at five a.m. But mainly the reason she starts work at five a.m. is she thought I need a job where I have to go to bed early to get away from my husband. Um, um, so well well done her. What's your who's your favourite band? Ooh, you see, I um, I, I sit in a weird bit of music, so I'm currently, I'm, I listen to a lot of Hilltop Hoods, who are an Australian hip-hop band. God, I sound white middle class when I say that. Hilltop Hoods are pretty good. Uh, I also like The Streets and Jamie T. So it's a strange sort of smattering of, of uh, herbers. Not um, necessarily what you'd expect of a, of a middle class English English wine merchant. And what book are you currently reading? What book am I currently reading? I am reading, it's called Rule Nostalgia, and it's a book about we as a nation focus on the time, on our past too much. So we, we it was always better in, in X era. So these days we talk about the Blitz spirit. And mm-hmm. during the Blitz day, were to, they they talked about any time when there wasn't a war. And but then it, it goes back because the Georgians always wanted to be Victorian. The Victorians, always, sorry, the Edwardians always wanted to be Victorian because Victorian time was the the pinnacle of empire. The Victorians actually wanted to be Christ. They went back a few hundred years because they wanted to go back to a time when when Christianity held more sway. And it's it's this idea that actually we're never fucking happy. We can't win, and it was never better than when we in 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 back in the day. So uh, I have a I have a theory about nostalgia. So firstly, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. No, I, th- I thank you very much. So I, I wrote a piece for my for my day job. Um, I, I I am uh, try the Colombian. It's excellent. But I, I wrote this piece about how basically the reason I think nostalgia and it was they, they wanted they commissioned me to write a piece about like nostalgic drinks, and I tried to say, well, actually, the drinks industry generally doesn't look back. It tends to try and look for you don't get a lot of oh let's replicate what they made way back when Ooh, let's have some uh, more black tower yeah let's um let's get the baby sham out the, the so I, I came up with this idea about the, the reason i think nostalgia works is you look back at a piece in history and you know what the outcome was and that's instantly comforting oh i was going through a really hard time but you know like the blitz uh, mm. but i got through that didn't i survived i know i know what the ending is whereas now i look at my life and i have no idea what's going on i don't know what's around the corner that's inherently terrifying so my comfort blanket is to look back to a period of time that was better and it's not because actually that you think it was better it's because you survived it so you know what the outcome was mm. now I, that's just my theory i've got lots of what's oh, my hypothesis uh, i've not tested it i've not done the research i'll be honest i'm probably not going to no. but that's what i've come with and i'm sticking with it yeah, I love that. I mean, I personally always in favour of anyone who comes up with a hypothesis and then in no way attempts to prove it. It's just a feeling I've got. That's just a that's, thing. Yeah, that's, there we go. That's, that's weird. That's, that's how that's I roll. Now, that's now a thing. Yeah, that's the thing. So here's here's the final question for you then. Okay. Where where is Shergar? You'll have to ask Harry Hill. I thought I might. I'll give him a call, ladies and gentlemen. Fergus Elias, a small hand, if you please. Oh, we're doing rounds of applause. What, what I might do is I, I might just edit in some applause right now. Oh, 
Oh, brilliant. But can we can we leave this bit where we talk about the fact that there's a round of applause? Yeah, I, th- I think we, we put this in and go, I hope that applause went down really well. Because mm. I just I, I, I just did like royalty free applause on YouTube. Thanks for, for being interviewed. And people now know who you are, which they already should have done. And if they didn't know who you were, well, I'm glad they're listening to this. Thank you for asking such interesting questions. Mr. Isaacs, if you could assume the chair. This is a metaphorical mastermind-esque chair. Dum, um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm in the chair. Uh, so, so what I thought I'd start with is not a classic. This is a game of Would You Rather, which has one question. You've got to, take the, you've got to think this through carefully because there are serious financial ramifications to one of the options. Would you rather all your glassware was Zalto? And this is all your glassware. So you go to the pub, you order a pint, it comes in a Zalto glass. And would, it, would it be a Zalto, like a Zalto, no. like it, I could still get a pint in it, but it would just be a Zalto. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a wine glass. With so a it's resized for a... It's resized for a pint. Okay, okay. Nice glassware that every time you break one, it's 40 quid or however much a Zalto costs these days. Or would you rather drink out of exclusively? So this is, you know, you're having a cup of tea before bed, you're tasting wine, exclusively pint glasses of the style that you steal from your local well you see so i haven't had a local for some time although i i have a pub that's local to me but it, it's i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of it it's are we talking gentrification sort of shit here or is this uh, well it, 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 it's big brands coming in and taking over it's, or... it's more the the effluication of the area rather than the gentrification it's it's a big chain pub yeah it's it's okay the beers are kept okay like then mm-hmm. but i if i'm going to go out for a beer i don't want okay i'd rather go somewhere that had really nice beer really well kept beer and yeah. a nicer ambiance so so ultimately the last time i had a local and i uh maybe procured a pint glass from them mm. it was one of those old-fashioned dappled pint oh, mugs with a hand nice. that all beer should be served in all the time Okay. So I, so it's not like the like the traditional Guinness glass, which is a great glass. Big Guinness fan. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like the you know you get all sorts of fancy glasses now for pints yeah. of beer. It's a proper not all beer should be yeah. served in one of these tankard mug things. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Would I be comfortable drinking wine out of that? Quite That's... probably yes. Oh really? Quite probably yes, because the the other alternative here is that. Right, Zaltos are really nice, right? But as soon Amazing. as you as soon as you are seen holding a Zalto, everybody goes, <laughs> "What a cock!" <laughs> now I don't need a Zalto glass to make people respond to me that way. Yeah, I, I don't even need to open my mouth to make people respond to me that way. No, but I mean, you as just much have as to I, wear that shirt, I just have to wear the shirt. But as much as I can, I try and reduce that impact. Now, a pint glass; those Zalto stems are pretty thin, so the Zalto shape. I actually, have, I'm a Riedel man, right? Riedel. Uh-huh. That's that they were the first, but they're pretty thin stems, right? So you put that's a pint so in one big. of those. Yeah. Just the weight to thickness of stem ratio. I don't think yep. it's going to cope very well, personally. No, it's going to be an expensive trip to the pub. It is. Um, and I don't have that kind of money. Who so knows? I think I'm going to have to go for exclusively everything I consume will be out of an old-fashioned apple pint glass. Nice. I can and just do you know what? I, I'd just love to see the faces of like Jamie Good or Robert Joseph or any <laughs> other of the wine glitterati mm. at a tasting 
Uh, oh yes, <laughs> you, you're coming to the first growth tasting, aren't you, Lee? Yes, I am. Um, you don't? Will you be providing your own glass yet? Well, yes, I will. And I just whip out a pint tank and go. Yes, could I try the eighty-nine the feet, please? <laughs> and also, actually, if you think about it, right, you're holding. You've got loads of room to swell. That's a pint glass, right? You've so got. Much, I can. So much I can room. aerate the living daylights out of that. Absolutely. You could use it as a decanter as well. You could decant half the bottle and then get another pint glass because you're right. not allowed to drink out of anything else. Decant yeah. it in. Decant, so, so there's the other. So that's uh, a really good question. Thanks. But I'm going with I'm going with that. I mean, it took me about an hour to work that question out. <laughs> I've answered it. I mean, I, I was in the office yesterday and, and I'm known as being a bit of a smart ass. I, I can't figure out why. But somebody said, oh, I've got a riddle for you. And they literally finished giving me the riddle and I answered it immediately. And everyone in the office stared at me and went, how did you get that? And they just thought it was obvious, isn't it? That's just so, what I do. So uh, that, that answers question two, would you describe yourself as a popular man? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I, I, I'm not popular with me, right? I, I, let alone other. There's that Sartre, I, misquoted all the time, but Sartre said, you know, hell is other people. Hmm. And, and what people don't realise that he's not saying that other people are awful. He's saying that you exist in the minds of other people and you have no control over their perception of you. I exist in my own mind and my own perception of me is that I'm not popular. I can guarantee it. I'm not popular in any other way with anybody else. Obviously, I refute everything you've just said uh, <laughs> and think you're a wonderful chap with many interesting stories. Then I thought we'd go into the classic. How did you get into wine? How did you get to here? Because... You know, your entire career has been working up to this point because this is this is the now. So how I mean, did you become the the, mer the merchant? You you'll know the um the famous quote: "All roads leads all roads lead to Ferg." Uh, you know, no, it's I, all roads lead to Owen, but that's why. Oh, to Owen, of course, which was originally what Rome was called, but then you know your father mm. is so modest that yeah, you know, that's one of his many 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 strengths. How did I get into my my father particularly? was really into wine and when I say really into wine he had no wine in, but my father's wine knowledge was that he was the kind of person who went oh I know Chateauneuf de Pape is good right he knew okay, it was yeah, French yeah. he knew it was French he knew it was good and that said that there's a very nuanced conversation there that I'd like to engage in but it's not for right now um so he knew it was French he knew it was good I, I, he wouldn't have known that it was Grenache and Syrah and Mavetti he, he wouldn't have known that but he liked he liked the, the nice things in life, which I worry about that now because I think it always sounds pretentious, even though it really isn't. When you mm -hmm. said, I like nice wine, I like nice food, I listen to nice music with, with nice people. And you think, what's nice mm. to each, each one of us? The fact that that's an ill-defined term. So it, that's great. You can just say that I like nice things and every, we should all go, well, that's great. What kind of things are nice for you? But my father liked nice things. So it was always home-cooked food. And we drank right wine reasonably regularly I, I'm at pains to sort of explain I'm a working class northern farm boy that's all I've ever been and all I'll ever be and so I didn't grow up in a wine culture ultimately no. wine was 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 there but it, I didn't have a wine culture so we, we certainly didn't drink expensive wines maybe on a on a big birthday I remember my mum turning 40 and my father bought her a vintage Verve Clicquot so that that like that but that was an extreme purchase yes. Yeah, um, we would have probably just had for for New Year's like the box standard Moet and Chandon that everybody else bought that that kind yeah, of yeah. thing or, or Verve because my my mum liked that. So I didn't grow up drinking fancy 
or expensive wines, but I grew up appreciating them. My, my parents' logic was if they introduced me to alcohol, I, I wouldn't go crazy with it. Well, the laughs on them, I did go crazy with it because I joined this industry uh, and have been a tremendous failure in their eyes ever since, I'm quite sure. I never did go crazy, like, you know, sitting in the park, drinking cider around brown paper. No, I never did that. No. Um, because I'd, I'd grown up exposed to alcohol. So I always tell us anybody listening that's ever heard me speak about anything before just fast forward for the next two minutes because you'll have heard the story I was 13 in a hotel in London with my mum my, my father was ill at home unfortunately and ordered my mother ordered a glass of the house red and I asked if I could taste it she said yes and I did I was very dramatic and you know I'd seen Julie mm-hmm. Golden and Oz Clark on the telly and I was a pretentious little shit so I'm swirling it and sniffing it and then I do the old lugging it in my mouth and Classic. my mother was my mother was dying of shame in the corner of this hotel bar yeah. And I pronounced in the entirety of the hotel bar, I think this is an Australian Shiraz. And my mother said, mm. you're 13, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. But mm. Ferg, it was an Australian Shiraz. But but it was an Australian Shiraz. So, I mean, that's pretty good going, 13. It's not bad. It is. However, at the age of 13, what did I know about my... I, I didn't know anything. I knew Shiraz was a grape. I didn't know what yeah. that meant. I didn't know no. why it was called Shiraz. I, I, I knew there was another grape called Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. I didn't know... But I, I, in my head, I just assumed they were different, right? And I knew wine didn't just come from Australia. I knew you could buy it from other countries. It, it's only now I realise how important this event was in my career. That, and there's that quote from Kierkegaard about life can only be understood backwards, must be lived forwards. So I didn't mm. realise any of this at the time. S- something, a seed was planted, right? Isn't that really interesting? By just looking and smelling and tasting, I can work out something really specific. It's not just, oh, this is red wine. Mm. It's like it's this grape from this place. That's incredible. How does that work? What, what's going on mm. there? I now know you can do that with coffee and chocolate and olive oil and various things, but that planted the seed. So fast forward a little bit. I turned 18. I took a gap year. So I'd, I was given a place. Uh, I'd achieved a place at university. I was taking a year out before I went mm-hmm. to that placement, needed a full-time job. A job came up in my local odd bins. Oh, right. yeah, go, yeah, oh nice. I bet working in there is great. You know, yeah. just drink wine all day, which of course mm-hmm. that's not what being a wine merchant is. I wish it was. Anyway, job came up in the odd bins. I got the job in the wine shop and three months in, I just, that was it. I was done. I was sold. I phoned yeah. the university, you know, thank them very much for offering me a place at their prestigious institution, but I wouldn't be going. Huge cheer on the end of the phone. Definitely part of was in the background. It's an annual celebration now, actually. Every, every year they have a, a big festival to celebrate this. Um, yeah. Although they lost a lot of government funding from me not going, they, they <laughs> made up for it in, in other ways. And, and I've been in wine ever since. And that was, as we're recording this at the end of August, 2022 mm. uh, at the end of July 2022 that was my 20th anniversary of joining wine trade and I've done it ever since that's pretty cool that is pretty bloody cool um, just love it one one quick follow-up question which university and what were you going to study uh, I was going to go to Lancaster University uh, oh, yeah, to yeah. study law and philosophy no idea how I got accepted at all mm. but I did anyway I didn't end up going so a win for them yeah uh, and a win for the wine industry. Well, I, 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 I like to think so, but again, it's the um, you know, I brought, <laughs> I brought in a lot of like YTS sort of funding to the industry <laughs> through being in it. My next question is actually, it's only two words. I've just written why Argentina. That's a really good question. So, I, I think subconsciously, I've always wanted to be a writer. But the main issue I, I have with that is that I'm a shit writer. Mm. So I never started a, a, a blog. I, I just couldn't do it. But I, I used social media. And my Facebook, I don't use it now. 
but my Facebook was essentially it was my blog, right? It just post everything I posted on Facebook was pictures of bottles of wine, me talking about mm-hmm. wine. This was sort of 2010. I just joined. Is this the why Oscar you wine. still haven't, you know, accepted my friend requests on Facebook? That would be it. I, 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 you shouldn't even have been able to find me. I, I like locked out or I, I, muted. I, I don't know wine. if I actually have found you. So no, I, I, I just Facebook. I talked about wine, mm. and and as an example of what I'm about to say, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of South African wine. Have been for many years, and a, somebody posted something about South African wine, and I commented on it in a really positive light. So, you know, I'm a big fan, and this is going on or whatever. And suddenly, I had like six friend requests from South African winemakers. That was where Tim Atkin and I sort of first connected on social media. No, not right. that I decided it makes it sound like Tim Atkin and I are hugely connected on social media. We're not, we're just we follow each other on like two. I hear your best mates. Well, you know, um, I don't like to brag, but um before he met me, his shirts were very sedate. Oh yeah. So, I actually um, have an embarrassing Tim Atkin related story. Well, it's not that embarrassing, actually. I've never met him. Uh, but I Well, I mean that's embarrassing it, enough, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean You've not met me. I've not met the great Tim Atkin. Of course, I know exactly who he is, um, and I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, I once asked a question on one of his lives. I can't remember what the question was. I can't remember. Was it, how do you make wine? Uh, It might have been. But (laughs) he proceeded to go, the goose Elias has a question here, and, and, and clearly had never heard of me. Um, which is fine. I, I, I so I use my Facebook as a blog. Yeah. And I, there was a, a wine I was introduced. To, so my, my first taste of Argentine wine came when I joined the wine industry uh, in 2002. And, and it wasn't a particularly impressive wine. So I, I, you know, I, I didn't really know much about Argentine wine. I learned about it in my WSETs. So I, I sold a little bit of it, but it, it never resonated in the way that maybe like Italian wine did. And I was introduced, well, I joined the Ox Wine Company in 2010, and I was introduced to wine from Argentina and absolutely blew my mind. I didn't know Argentina was doing stuff this cool, this mm. good, this exciting. And, and that sort of fired up my interest. And I said, I, I need to invest a bit more in Argentina. You know, I started tasting around and going to tasting events. You know, and I really got hooked on these wines. So I'm posting a lot of stuff on my Facebook, right, about this Argentine wine that I've had. And, and I started to pick up friend requests from people in Argentina, winemakers, people in the wine industry. And one day somebody added me, Adriana. She wasn't in the wine industry. It was like, cool, Facebook, we're connecting. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And she'd sort of like my wine posts. And I now know, I didn't at the time, why she added me. So she was an English teacher in Argentina. And a friend of hers was going off to, I think, to America to work wine industry. So he wanted her to teach him English. So she started following me because I had an interest in Argentina and I talked about wine so she could build an English wine-based vocabulary to help her Makes friends sense. learn, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the most convoluted story or, or way of saying, I thought you were quite attractive, so I added you. My wife does wear glasses, just to confirm. <laughs> anyway, one day I went on the instant messenger function, which I never used, yeah. and, and Adriana was on it. I thought, oh, that's that girl from Argentina. We'll chat for like 10 minutes. That'd be pretty cool. What's life yeah. like in Argentina? Done. We chatted for about four hours on the messenger. And that became a regular weekly thing. There was nothing romantic in it. Anyway, nothing romantic in it. We're, we're chatting away. And then one day I said, look, why don't we Skype? Back when people use Skype. Can you remember that? It feels oh, like a million, million years ago. That's when I can you still like, hear got them. a webcam and it was, it was like, it, it was yeah. not built into the computer. No, you had to it buy a separate a thing. You stuck thing. it on the top. And that, I know. Was, that was your webcam. The dark ages. Man. Jeez, that, how did we survive this? I how did we get through know. it? 
genuinely couldn't but, tell you. But we did, so it was obviously better, like the Blitz. Yes, yes. Um, see, nostalgia strikes again. There we go. So we started kind of, you know, video calling each other. And again, mm. when, when I initially made that suggestion, there was nothing romantic in it at all. Of course, of course no. And, I, I, and, and, and Adriana left it. She said, it would be great because I could practice my spoken English with a native English speaker. The only time it, she would speak English with, was with her students. So mm. she said, actually, that will really help. And it'd be cool instead of just typing away. And yeah. about two or three months into video calling each other quite regularly, one of us, and I genuinely can't remember which one, but one of us sort of went, I kind of like you. Do you, do you like me yeah. and the other person reciprocated so i said look i can come out to argentina at the this would have been the beginning of 2012 so yeah. we're, we're having this conversation sort of oh those were early days, early, early 2012. 2012 what a vintage and well, yeah. just not just not well, in england yeah. no, what, no, what no everywhere else it was great uh, and, and, but in england we had the the olympics you know yeah. times were times were good the, 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 yes they were i i ended up in a school in argentina giving a talk about this country and the olympics because it was on but, so anyway, I'm, I'm rushing ahead slightly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but 2012, what are you? So I went out to Argentina at the beginning of 2012, a, a week before I flew. I bought an engagement ring because I thought I don't want to have to buy one there because I can't speak Spanish. Yeah. And we met at the airport. But of course, because we've been video calling, I thought I don't want my wife to see what I actually look like. So I'd been wearing a mask of huge Jackman. So when we oh, met at the yeah. airport, I wasn't wearing the mask. And yeah. she walked right past me. No, that, and we, we, we met in person for the first time at the airport. And I was in Argentina Amazing. for two weeks just over two weeks and we had a great time visiting wineries and mm. you know all of that and I proposed on the penultimate day my wife said yes I now think because of the language barrier my wife thought I was asking a very different question but 10 years of marriage and a little boy later it's too late isn't it and yeah I went back in the August mm. and we got married in now I think to the best of my knowledge I'm the only Englishman to have been married in San Martin not in Argentina not in Mendoza mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the only Englishman that's been married in San Martin. And the main reason for that is we've done it, and then the Argentines have gone, we cannot, under any circumstance, let this happen again. Uh, look at him. How have we let him get away with this? This Were is you an wearing your favourite shirt? I was wearing my favourite. I didn't wear floral shirts back then, amazingly. So oh, really? Oh, so this is quite a new thing. It's a, it's a relatively new... I was going to say trend. Nothing about me is trend or trendy or on trend. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I was back there in the August and we got married. And that's when I went to this school and, and it was just really cool. It was, you know, all of these kids asking me questions being translated through Adriana hmm. about life in this country and what was I doing then. And of course, the Olympics was a massive thing. And that, that's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Is, is, I bet. You know, talking to a, a group of school children about where I come from. And it was really surreal. Anyway, I then went back in September on a buying trip, by which point Adriana was already pregnant. But we sort of finalised her paperwork hmm. and my, my wife landed in the UK in February 2013 with about two or three weeks before any airline would have refused to fly her because she was so far pregnant. That was well-timed. Uh, well and our son was born in the May, and our son is named after the bottle of wine that first really piqued my interest in Argentina. And as a, as a result, you know, we go back most years, COVID, mm -hmm. you know, accepting uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Hence, Argentina has kind of become the, the big thing. Right. That is a lovely story. Speaking of things we love, what do you love most about working in wine? Oh, I really? think it's getting to getting to meet you. Uh, oh. I think is is probably the um, the highlight of my career. Yeah, what what do I love most about wine? Do you know it's all too easy to go to wine because wine's great. It's, it's the people. I've met the most incredible, thoughtful, creative, intelligent, 
insightful, imaginative people. And, and that's just you. I was going to say, so when did you meet my father first? I twice you sort of ask a question, how did you get into wine? Because it's not a, a no, it's not a normal inverted commas career, right? You, mm. Your careers advisor, if they still have those, wouldn't recommend it. Oh, you know, it wouldn't come up in this country. Maybe in the future as wine becomes a bigger and bigger thing uh, in, in, in England. So most people just fall into it. And a lot of people that fall into this industry have, have done similar to you. They've gone and got a, a degree in something really smart and insightful, but that isn't necessarily transferable into a huge array of work I, i've met I, i've met people through wine who do you remember um they, they built a space the telescope in chile where they had to blow the top off a mountain they, so they were building a new uh, ground-based space telescope mm-hmm. in chile and they had to blow the top off a mountain and i got of to course. know the guy who was one of the guys who was in charge of that yeah I've, I've sat at a table with you know people very high up in quantum physics and astrophysics with people high up in the legal profession with artists creators the range of people i've met the, the, the different cultures i've experienced I, I i was teaching for a michelin star venue in london and round the table the people i was teaching there was there, there was a german there were a couple of poles there was a russian there was a peruvian french there was a portuguese i I've, i name a nation i've taught somebody from that nation by and large you know i've I've met people from so many different places and that's there's a there's a mark twain quote isn't there about you know traveling being an awful thing for ignorance because it it just kills your ignorance or with wine i've 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 traveled the world by not really going very far and yeah I've, I've, i've gone to really cool places and done really cool things and that's amazing and i'm very very fortunate and privileged to, to be where I am because I've not earned, I've not earned it and I don't deserve it but I'm here so I'll take it <laughs> but it, it's the people the best thing about this industry is the people done what you love but, but we obviously with yin comes yang with sun comes moon with 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 Barry comes white but what's bad what's what don't you like what's one thing one thing in the wine industry that really fucks you up i'm not asking you to change it i'm not saying what one thing would you change because you know we live in a world where that isn't going to happen so what what is the thing you don't like that's a really tough question and i think the answer is going to be it's not actually the industry itself i think the worst thing about the industry is because we work in alcohol right and mm-hmm. lots of people like alcohol lots of people like like 33 million wine drinkers in the uk it's our favorite mm-hmm. alcoholic beverage right but it's a fun thing from it, i mean it's fun for us but Wine for most people is just a fun thing, right? It's yeah. not something they invest in. And and, no. and this is not a criticism of, of um, you know, um, kind of breaking character for a minute. It's not a criticism of anybody that just drinks wine for fun but doesn't really engage with it. That's great. Anybody yeah, yeah, yeah. drinking this that ultimately, you know, drives our industry, which gives me a career. Mm. So I'm not, you know, there's no pejorative here. But sometimes it's that inability of people to see that what wine and drinks professionals do is add value and it's really hard and we work hard they don't always see you, you know the, the amount of times oh you work in the wine trade you must just get drunk for a living like, no yeah i i really don't oh you must just spend your time drinking i, I really don't spend my time drinking okay I, i'm really lucky to do what i do i'm not down a pit and, and i love what i do but it's just it, it's that value perception i think sometimes gets lost that could lead to a wider conversation about is the wine trade doing enough to communicate with the end consumer I'm still not entirely, maybe a, a discussion for a future episode, perhaps, but I'm not entirely convinced they are. Mm. We've got some, we've got some great communicators, but I think overall, does 
wine really reach out to the end consumer I'm, I'm not entirely convinced it does despite the best efforts of many people i i think that's you're really upstaging me here because i just said the really the worst thing about wine is i work too hard and, and you oh, well there's uh, something uh, deep so I, I, I could say that but like you're a winemaker so it's believable i'm i'm just a, 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 I, i'm just a bloke in a stupid shirt so i couldn't convince people i work hard even though i do um, yeah I'm sure, I'm sure. You work really hard, don't you? It's just, you just mm. get drunk all day. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I see you drinking that wine. I'm, I'm drinking the wine you sent. Well, that rather nicely segues into our next session. It does which indeed. Which I have titled, are you ready? I'm ready. This week, I have mostly been drinking. Now, normally what happens is when you suggest a name, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to ignore that because that is a solid first-class fascia reference. And I'm a big fan of any of those. Yep. So, Ferg, this week I've mostly been drinking. <laughs> what have you mostly... So, but should we explain how the mostly been drinking thing is working? Yeah, I, th- I think we should. So, the idea is, every time we make a podcast, well, each of us will send the other a bottle of wine. And so, the idea is that it ties into educating Fergus, um, because Lee can talk to me about about, about wine region, and, and I can learn a lot. And Lee gains very little from this other than he gets a bottle of wine because he already knows all the stuff that I try and tell him about the wine because all I've done is gone on Google. <laughs> Don't give away the trade secrets. Um, oh, wow, but, Lee, you know loads. Now I've just got access to Wikipedia. But that's the idea. So it's, you know, it's part of the, the, the wonderful thing about wine. It's all about sharing. It's all about, you know. Sharing. It's about learning, stuff. growing. But something I, I really like in life. You know, I, I, education is one of life's great treasures. Unfortunately, I think it gets beaten out of most people by the, the education system. Mm-hmm. Again, another long nuanced conversation there. And that's certainly not an attack on teachers because there's a lot of that going on. That is absolutely not what I'm suggesting. Just to clarify, in case there's any teachers listening to this and goes, how dare he? Absolutely not. Teachers are phenomenal. That's right. My mum's not a teacher. You're right. Oh, she's not. I'm sorry. Teachers are idiots. But, you know, I, I, I'm in a job where I learn something new every single day there's not been a single day in the 20 years i've been in this industry and i haven't learned something new that's joyous yeah i think this is a great segment we send each other a bottle of wine so mine's the, the lighter bodied of the two so should i go first I and then compare I, think, to... I think you should start so yes so this week lee has mostly been drinking alsatian pinot noir. noir so i was delighted to receive this now I, I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before so i'm a huge pinot noir fan as m- most people are i'm not unique in 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 that I am a bit of a Pinot Noir purist, though. So generally, if it's not Burgundy, not really interested. However, that poses a problem because I can't afford Burgundy <laughs> that's decent. Now, that's a very broad general. I've had Pinot Noirs from all over the world that I've loved. But, you know, Burgundy, is, it's one of the few places where I, go, I, I want it to kind of do that. I've had some great English Pinot Noirs. I don't know if you make any Ferg or not, but I've, I've had some uh, great yeah, English. Actually, no, I make, I make a few. The Gatehouse Pinot Noir 2020 has just won the Wine GB Best English Red Wine, which, you know, that was quite which a nice moment. Is is um, another I, tattoo for your back then? Yes. Uh, the, the only problem is I've had to share it with Gusborne, so I've just written their name in really, really small. That's a huge accolade, and we're going to talk a lot about your wines on, on the course of the show. But for pacing, I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to my wine. You but so, ahead. Pinot Noir, huge fan. However, 
I've never had a Pinot Noir from Alsace that I've liked. And I remember doing my diploma. Diploma was taught by MWs exclusively when I did it. And we had one MW. But this MW, so we were talking about Alsace. And it, I just seem to remember him saying, like, just avoid Alsace Pinot Noir. Yes, they grow it there. It's the only red grape they're permitted to grow, but they should get rid of it. Most of most of what they grow there goes into Cremont d'Alsace, which is, of course, sparkling wine made in Alsace in the traditional method. But they're still, you know, still Pinot Noir is not that good. And that's how I remember it. But of course, it could be like Rashomon. I might be remembering it incorrect. But that stuck with me. And I've tried a few Alsatian Pinot Noirs and I've just never got on with it. I was thrilled when you sent it because it's not a wine I would ever buy. Never go and pick up an Alsatian Pinot Noir. This one you sent me is fabulous. So it's 2020 vintage. Now, the 2020 vintage was coming off the back of a mild, wet winter. It had a warm spring. So the, the, the sort of budding and firing was quite early. And then it was just like hot and dry, but almost verging on drought conditions. But I, I, they had a little bit of rain here and there, kind of the right, a bit textbook rain at the right time. I believe one of the early harvests that they've recorded, I don't know if it's the earliest harvest they've ever recorded, but it was certainly an early harvest. But as soon as I stuck my nose in this wine, I was just hit like these cherries leapt out and you go, well, it's a peanut noir, it smells of cherries. This smelt of cherries and it smelt of cherry blossom. And then you, you sort of felt compelled to come back to this nose. And I realised that there was a whole load of other stuff going on behind it. Loads and loads of fruit, a fine bit of vanilla. And then there was like jasmine and aromatic. Now on the palate, as you'd expect with Alsace, they're, very, they're, they're sort of very Germanic, although it's in France. So, you know, Alsace has moved German France, German France. I mean, that was going to be part of my hilarious introduction to this wine, which I was going to go from everyone's favourite German or is it French part of the world. Well, so you go there, right, mm. and you talk to the local people who are wonderful, and you go, are you German? And they go, nine. Mm. Are, you, are you French? And they go, not. And you go, what are you then? And they go, we're Alsatian. In my day job, I work with the, the Trimbach family. I think there's three generations where the first generation first generation is French, and then the second generation is German, and then the third generation is French again. Mm. So it's really weird because it kept moving about. So as you'd expect with that Germanic, these, this is a wine that's driven by acidity. It's mm. got high, but it's it's Alsace and it's Pinot Noir. You want high acidity. And it's just on the right side of balanced. Like a, a, a tiniest bit more acidity and it'd be too much. Yeah. So it's a, this is a food wine. So this is Domaine Bruno. So we'll put pictures up of it. Domaine Bruno saw Alsace Pinot Noir. And maybe uh, the estate goes back to 1970, 10 hectares. It's now run by the founder's son. This Pinot has some weight to it. Now it's not a big hefty wine, but this is the fullest body example of a Pinot from Alsace that I've tasted. But we assessed at the style. It's not a style I drink a lot. So some people might be out there going, actually, there are more fuller body wines you should be trying. Please let me know what they are. I'd love to try them. It, it's wonderful. It's, a, it's yep. a food wine, definitely. But that acidity is great. The tannins just, they're almost not there. They're like Charlie Watts, right, in the stones. You know he's there, but you don't, you, you can't really hear him. Like, you've got to listen for him. Because that's what a really good drummer would do, was keep the beat, but without overshadowing everything else. And nobody did that better than Charlie Watts. It, it's fabulous. There's loads of fruit to it. Be nice, a little bit chilled. And yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. but sort of like some Germanic, Germanic cuisine or like charcuterie, hard cheese, stuff with a bit of fat in it. Because that acidity would just slice through it and balance it. It's a fantastic wine, and thank you. And I believe it came from the fabulous Bin 2 in Pasto. It did indeed, my new friend on Twitter. Um, a shout out to Mike Boyne is one of the world's nicest men, and he's also one of this country's very best wine merchants. He's fabulous. And, and, he's, and he's making wine now. He's been and he's, yes, uh, he's a wonky, wonky Post Vineyard, I believe, isn't it? Wonky it's, Post it's vineyard, vineyard, and I think the wines are called Howland Grappa. Obviously, they're sort of their flagship wine. Fizzy Bum Bum, um, which I think is in its third iteration. I actually tasted yes. it and I didn't hate it. Uh, and for a pet nap, that's um that's, that's saying something. I uh, tried I, um, really good. 
I had the, I think it was Fizzy Bum Bum 2 when I did one of my silly videos that I used to do where I took my, my favourite band, Pink Floyd, and I took their great song, Comfortably Numb, and turned it into Comfortably Bum. It was a wine that was just full of joy. Yeah. It, had no, it had no pretensions. It was no. just like, this wine's a bit of fun. Enjoy it. And that's exactly what I did with it. It was wonderful. So maybe in the future we'll get Mike on if he wants to lower his street cred. I mean, oh, come on, he's a bit cool for us. Like, he's he's actually, too cool for us. People actually listen to him and stuff. Yeah, they do. As, as well they should. Like, they, the, like you're in the Rolling Stones, right? And you get a phone call saying we'd like to book you for a gig. And mm. Mick Jagger goes, where's the gig? Uh, and they go, <laughs> it's at the Stan Lake Village Fate. And Mick Jagger will go, fuck off. But he's a cockney, he's a cockney, he's a cockney. He's saying a cockney <laughs> accent. But anyway, th th this Alsatian Pinot, thank you. It's it's wonderful. So Alsace obviously is known for like 90% of what they produce is white. There's a little bit of rosé. There's a bit of fizz. I, I, I couldn't find the stats on the percentage of still red that they make, but I, I think it's down like 2 or 3%. Pinot Noir only accounts for 11% of the overall plantings in Alsace, but some of that is going into Cremont. I think that they do make more Cremont than they make still red. They make very little still red. Yeah, I, th I think Alsace is probably the easiest French wine region overall to understand because it's got, it's like the, not the least amount of rules, but there's only like basically two. There's, there's Alsace or there's Alsace Grand Cru. I was going to ask because I researched this because I may have slightly misunderstood the assignment here and learned about your wine. But I was, I was reading this and I read that Pinot Noir isn't part of the Grand Cru but you can still call it an Alsace wine. So I did think that that could be an interesting question to ask, to pose you is, what's the difference? Al Alsace is a really long, thin, narrow stretch, right? And to the west, it's bordered by the Vosges Mountains. Mm -hmm. The Germans call them the, the Hart Mountains. So where you, you're best, in inverted commas, where the vineyards are that have the, the south-facing slopes and the desirable slopes, which, of course, that means you get greater sun exposure and you get more diurnal temperature. So all of that is better for, you know, more fruit development, preservation of acidity. They're on the slopes of these foothills of the Vosges mm -hmm. Mountains. You, you kind of flat fertile stuff, you get high production, perhaps less complex fruit. I, I, again, not trying to get too technical or over, over complex. Mm -hmm. So what the Alsatians have done, much like the rest of France, in fact, the rest of Europe, is, is kind of go, these specific plots... 51 Grand Cru. Yeah. They've identified different vineyards and sort of gone, this vineyard's a bit better for some reason. It's got a slightly steeper slope or it's slightly higher up. All, all sorts of tiny factors like that. So they've yeah. sort of said, there's 51 Grand Cru. Now, with those 51 Grand Cru, I think with, with one exception, you can grow any of the permitted noble varieties. And the noble varieties of Alsace are Riesling, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, Muscat and Gewurztraminer. There are mm -hmm. other varieties grown there like Pinot Noir, but that's not classed in Grand Cru, as you just said. They also grow some Chasselin, some Clevener, but they're not, they don't qualify for Grand Cru status. They also grow a grape called Silvana. Oh, i come across Silvana. We had some ah, England really. Yes, we did. We didn't, often in Germany get it in like the Bockstuber bottle. Mm. Now, Silvana doesn't sit in the Grand Cru system, but there is, there's one Grand Cru where they're allowed to grow some Silvana. I can't remember the name of the Grand Cru, but it's not allowed in the others. What, what does Grand Cru give you? Obviously, preferential site, greater sun exposure, better fruit development, etc. Within the Grand Cru's, you can grow any of those varieties that I've just mentioned. Yep. So your, your basic Alsace might have some Grand Cru fruit in it, but it will have fruit grown on the lower fertile floor. And the Grand Cru will always say the name of the vineyard. But that okay. makes Alsace yeah, yeah. really accessible. You've got basic Alsace, and then you've got Grand Cru, which is better, in inverted commas. Mm -hmm. And that's really easy to explore. You know, oh, what about the name of the Grand Cru? It's Grand Cru, it's better. Start exploring that. Start maybe yeah, yeah, nice. talk, talk to your independent wine merchant and go, which Grand Cru should I look at first? And explore yeah, from there. That's perfect. There you go.
thank you. Yeah, it's um, a lovely wine. Thank you. Really, really no, enjoy it. You're, you're really it. welcome. No, no. no. Um, so, as I said, I might have slightly misunderstood the, the the assignment. So, I thought what I'd do is unbox because I hear unboxing's a thing on the internet now. Apparently where, so, yeah. Where I unbox the wine you've sent me, and then you can talk to me about the wine you've sent me while I taste it. Um, you see, I, I've misunderstood the the, the assignment because I've just researched the wine you sent me, not the one I sent yeah, you. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> but I think this way is better because it means that a genuine expert will talk us through these wines what uh, who, who, who have you invited I don't, I don't uh, jamie, know to, I, jamie good actually he's a really good mate of mine what have i sent you for okay well let's let's find out so here i am I've i hope he's bottle. not i hope he's not actually unwrapping it's, it live because it'll take him about four hours it's it, i am actually unwrapping it live now listen though because it's asmr as well so seriously how many layers of bubble wrap are in here he's in what have you got ferg Obra Prima Reserva Malbec from Mendoza in Argentina. Isn't that um, weird that I would send you an Argentine Malbec? But you didn't you see know, that coming. I, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, it's imported by Just Reading Brooks of London. Very, very reputable uh, wine Indeed. merchant. Um, in fact, my father, who has come up with this podcast, was called. Uh, he, 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 he started Just Reading Brooks, didn't he, I think? My father did uh, a vintage in Mendoza when I was about six years old. He went out to... Uh, I to did Mendoza. not know this. Yeah. He made, Do you know who it was for? Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I'm sure I'll find out soon. See, these are the kind of details we need. So, Ferg, to, to, just to clarify, he's, I, I sent Fergus this bottle. It's the mm. Familiar Cassone Opa Prima Malbec from Mendoza, a 2017 vintage, I think. It is um, indeed. I took it, took it out of my cellar how's it showing tell me about it talk me through mm. scrummy <laughs> can, can, can we not use technical tasting terminology please it will yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry 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 I, I i need to dumb this down um okay all right so well the nose is rather exciting there's some oak in there i'd mm -hmm. say just i love argentinian malbec and this is only just i, I mean this will open up as well won't it this is I, sh I should have i really should have opened this before i started it would be tremendous uh, in a in a decanter, especially if it was a, a Zalto shaped decanter, <laughs> or, or or a dappled pint mug with a handle. <laughs> I think I think that's what I, I think that's the only way to go. But no, this is this is delicious. Uh, I don't drink this enough. Why don't I drink this more? So it's sort of plummy, raisiny nose. Sort of, it's so good, man. There, there were many reasons for, for, for choosing this. Uh, this wine is, is made by uh, a friend of mine, a guy called Federico Cassone. His, More famous his, winemakers than me. Well, that's, that's, that, that's it. You see, that's the other reason no, I have any, not, mod, any not, modicum of fame. Not very not very hard. You just name a winemaker. Yeah. No, just, just name a winemaker. I pretend I know them. Do you know Steve? <laughs> oh, Steve. Yeah, I know Steve. So Federico's family, you know, it's, they're... It, come from Italian immigrants, which is actually very common in Argentina. A lot of Italians went out there in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Mm. And this is the, the wine. So it says Mendoza on the label, which is correct. Mendoza actually breaks down into many, many sub-regions and sub-sub-regions and sub-sub-sub-sub-sub-regions. And that's what's really exciting. Mm. But this is from South America's very first defined wine area, which is called the Luján de Cujo, which is, if you imagine Mendoza as, as being into like kind of three areas like the Primera Zona, which is maybe slightly more east in the region. Luján de Cujo is maybe a bit more in the middle. And then Vache de Uco is, is kind of further west and, and really properly in the foothills of, of the Andes. So Luján de Cujo is, is kind of the historic spot for 
Malbec. This is where most of the really old vine stuff is. It was the first. It was the first place in Argentina where they really started to take Malbec seriously many, many, many years ago. It's about 950 metres above sea level in a, in a part of Lujan de Cujo called Major Tramond. And they're right next to a, a very famous winery called Mendel, who some people will know, wine made by Roberto de la Mota, who's wonderful, wonderful man and winemaker. They, they kind of sit right next door to this. But the vines used for this are over 100 years old and it comes from where the winery is. This comes from a vineyard that's based right around the winery. They have other sites. As, mm. You know, most wineries don't have just vines where the winery is. They have vines in all sorts of different areas. Yeah, yeah. So the, the vines for this one, this wine comes from like straight outside where the winery is. And these are over 100 year old vines. So you're not getting a lot of fruit off it. You know, we, we, we always, I think, perceive Malbec as being like this really big punchy thing which isn't mm. inherently what Malbec actually is. There's a lot more sophistication and nuance to it. But this, with that being such old fruit, it, it's not necessarily that huge punch, which, you know, it's a big punch you want. It's that concentration of fruit and it's the development of that fruit. I, I think this wine has great... I mean, you're, you're tasting it, so you, you, yes. you're tasting it, but, you know, really old vine stuff. There's some cold soap pre-ferment and then post-fermentation, like it. It, has, it has a cool maceration as well. So... It's not just oh, really. Like, so, so it sits, it sits on the skins post ferment. Just, just yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so, I, I, I think it's like six or seven days. I can't, I, I can't remember. And I haven't managed to get in touch with Federico. Before. I, it was only sort of like yesterday when I went. I should have sent Federico a message and asked for some more technical detail about the wine, but I didn't because <laughs> I'm an idiot. So you know, cold soak beforehand just to get a bit of extra color and and character. Mm. Then ferment uh, at reason at warm temperatures, not hot temperatures. But then, yeah, post-maceration, post-fermentation maceration, and it's 12 months in French. And, and I think it's just, it's the concentration of fruit from such old wines that allow it, it as you all know, it's so easy to over-oak a wine, even a big, healthy Malbec. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. oak on a wine, I think, is a bit like a guitar player using a wah pedal. So mm. if you were to ever see me play live, which um, most people are thankful I don't play live anymore, Hmm. if i'm playing the electric i use i just use i don't use a lot of effects i'm like Jimi hendrix in the sense that i only use like two or three effects although sure. i'm nowhere near as good as Jimi hendrix obviously I mean, don't you just use your name and hendrix in the same sentence it's no, not it's not the first time it's happened but usually there's the word not in between the two <laughs> but you know so a bit of overdrive and a wire pedal hmm. I, this is the same for kirk hammett from metallica right so if you took kirk hammett's wire pedal away he'd be the he'd be awful guitar he'd be as bad as me on the guitar well not quite as bad as me but nearly you could come and like hear me or see me play live and i've got the wire pedal going and some overdrive and, and i actually sound like i can play the guitar right nice. like i can't but i can sound like i can you take that mm. wire pedal away you shouldn't realize i'm actually not doing very much so oak, <laughs> oak can be like that like it's really easy to put oak and wine to make it quite impressive but then i think if you well hang on if we strip that oak away what's there well there isn't really anything right that's not the case with this wine there's big fruit there's concentrated fruit there's range fruit i think the oak's quite integrated yes um, i was actually that was that was it's sort of that's my so when i first got it on the nose it was i i could tell it was french which was nice that was a pleasing uh -huh. moment um but i it was it's the integration with that you know it's clearly very sympathetically done yeah you've got really nice fresh fruit the structure is really is is really solid but it's not as he as he said i'm just going to repeat what you said only with different words but you're right because it's not a blow your face off malbec it's 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 not what what i've sort of not i've been conditioned to expect 
Malbec's taste like. It's it's more than that. It's subtle. It's clever. It's I, yeah. I really regret not opening it before we started. So that it, it works really well in a decanter. Mm. And you know what you're going to put steak. Steak's the obvious steak. thing. But look, this works really well with. I th- I think it's get a sirloin. Cook it on over fire barbecue. Yeah. You know on the Parisian asado and do it medium rare. I, I think sirloin is best medium rare rather than rare. It depends on the exact cut of meat, of course. What I have learned, especially from Argentina, is that I used to just go steak rare. Yeah. Well, it depends on the cut. Some cuts of steak really need to be cooked more than rare. Whether you like them rare or no, that's why mm. I like rare meat. But certain steaks, they need more cooking than that. So I th- I personally find that sirloin, a little yeah. bit of salt, a little bit of salt on it, cook it over the fire and, you know, turn it. Yeah. About a minute before that steak is cooked, throw some fresh garlic and rosemary onto the coals themselves. Ooh. So you, they burn up into the meat. So you get and then stuff. this out of yeah. your salto decanter. That's mm. I mean, you that was Heston-esque. Well, it did but involve fire and, and more than one flavour. And yeah, and flavor. Um, if you wanted to go the full Heston style, is maybe throw an espadrille on there. Yes, just, for no you know, apparent reason, but it's but for absolutely no fucking reason at all. Oh yes, yeah. I'll just take this thing and make it into ice cream, mm. or um, you know, like a Richard Smart style cloche just over the top. <laughs> oh yes, you've got to. Here it is. Ducks off. Sorry. <laughs> what I, what I've decided I'm going to try and do is every time we do this is try and find somehow a link between the two wines or the two areas beyond they're both wines. So, uh, by my reckoning, from what I can find out. Alsace is around about 15,500 planted hectares, give or take. That sounds about right when I read that figure. Burgundy's 27,500, Bordeaux's like 160,000, something like that, right? Feels right. Argentina as a whole is just over 200,000 hectares, right? Mm-hmm. The Luján de Cujo, where this wine comes from, is 15,500 hectares planted. No, is eight so eight percent of the whole of Argentina and nineteen percent of all of the Malbec in all of the countries grown in this mm. region. But I just thought, what a great link there, fifteen and a half. Now someone will write and go, actually, Alsace is the I think planting a load of Silvana. Mm, or, you know, they've planted a load of Rondo because they want to do what we're doing. But I thought that was quite quite a nice link. I am really enjoying this. This is delicious. It is fab, and and like like with you, I mean, I actually. I wouldn't say I am an aficionado of Alsace Pinot Noir, but I do drink it occasionally because it's a style I really like and it's something I find really interesting. I don't drink enough Argentinian Malbec and this has opened, not opened my eyes because I knew it was out there, I know it's there, but it's more finding it and, uh, you know, God bless I, I, I can help you rectify that problem, um, but what I'd say to that is I don't drink enough Lassis. Why do you not? Um, oh, that's interesting. That's a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite wine of yours but anyway grant so ferg we've we've been talking now for like days but yeah we, we've been talking for for a long time and there was other i know there was other stuff we wanted to talk about but i just, I, I really enjoyed doing the wine stuff right there isn't it weird that yeah. you and i would enjoy talking about wine who would have thought who, who the bloody hell saw that coming what a pleasure though i've had fun and ultimately it's kind of for us to have fun and and mm. you know maybe people would enjoy listening to our ramblings but what, what i'd say if anybody has listened to this we would hugely welcome their thoughts opinions ideas questions input shoe size 
uh, credit card details and home address. Mother's maiden name. That's always a that's yeah. Always but a name name classic. of your first pet. I think we'll, yeah. we'll do a, we'll do a phone in on that. What was the name ba- of your first favorite, pet? Favorite teacher at school. Sort codes are actually really irritating to look up. So sort yeah. codes. Yeah, if we could um, if we could have that, that would be yeah, ideal. Be but um, but please send in your, your thoughts, ideas, questions. It'd be nice to have things to discuss that you want to hear. So obviously, Ferg and I are talking about stuff that him and I want to talk about. But if there's something you want to talk about then actually we'd rather talk about that. If you've got a winemaking question, uh, a wine education question, thoughts on the market, what, what should you drink with what you're, anything, anything, any wine, booze-related questions would be more. I like that, yeah, booze-related, all booze-related. Booze I think we'd, we'd even tackle some spirits yeah, and beers. Fergal, yeah, do your beers, I mean, I'll do some spirits. Yeah, okay, I can get on board with this. And I, and I particularly like the idea of, like, and is it okay, you know, put yourself in a wine-related situation and just say, is it okay? Is it okay okay that I don't necessarily want English sparkling wine with fish and chips every time I have fish and chips? Well, no, the answer is no, it's not not okay. okay. The answer when someone says, what do you pair with fish and chips is English sparkling wine. If you want to be more specific, Blanc de Blanc. Blanc Um, de Blanc. Um, Do you make a Blanc de Blanc? I I do actually, just released 2018. Um, Really interesting, actually. I need to send you a sample. Um, uh, yes you do but there I'll we go there's post. your recommendation for fish and chips future episodes we're, we're going to have regular updates on the life of a winemaker so what's going on in the vineyards and in the winery at hush heath um, we may well have some guests but I, I think we'd struggle to find anybody willing to talk to either of us to Super be honest enough. but yeah I, Ferg, i've really enjoyed it i think this is a great idea thank you for listening to the maker and the merchant and hopefully you'll be listening again soon cheers cheers very much Cue like outro music and sound of helicopters or something or SWAT team. Away we go.